0: Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash athlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about using high loads with rotator cuff exercises. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure you knew about my free online course on the Introduction to Performance Therapy and Training. If you want to learn how to get started optimizing and enhancing performance, this is the course for you. Head to mikereynoldcom slash performance to sign up today. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Round Show. I am here up in Boston, champion PT performance, answering your questions. Anything you want to talk about, head to MikeRound.com. Click on that podcast link and keep asking away. So let's see. I am joined today by some of our physical therapists. We have Lisa Lowe, Dan Pope, Kevin Coffin, Len McCrina, Dave Tilly, and our strength coach, DeWesh Podel, all here for you answering your questions. Len, who do we have for students today? Amazing
1: students, just amazing, just grandiose students. We have Morgan Kennedy from Finlay University, the University of Finland. Uh, We have Kim Lay, uh, a PT student, a doctorate of PT student from Marist University. We have Eric Deutsch from New York Institute of Technology. So apparently PT is now an Institute of Technology.
0: I like it. Yeah, that's an interesting. They run out of majors. Yeah, like we we, everybody's doing PT. Let's add it. (laughs) PT's technology for sure. Absolutely, (laughs) that sounds good. (laughs) Awesome. So, what do we got, Eric? Today, you want to start Eric's first inaugural episode, um, all the way. I mean, and we're expecting good things, right? I mean, you go to a tech school. This isn't. This is above average for physical therapy. What do we got today, Eric? All right, we got Corey from Pittsburgh X. what are your thoughts
1: on never using higher loads for rotator cuff exercises because it anatomically recruits
0: the wrong muscles? Uh, okay. I like that. Let me see. So Corey from Pittsburgh says, all right, this is, this, is, this still a, <laughs> is, is this, um, <laughs> was it, we, we still get this question every now and then, but I feel like this is one of those questions that kind of faded a little bit. I remember like 20 years ago, like it was, I don't want to say like, Common fact I don't think it was a fact I think a lot of people doubted it, but it was very commonly stated that like that you only do rotator cuff exercises up to a set amount, and then once you go higher, if you go one ounce higher. All of a sudden, the rotator cuff turns off, and the big the big muscles take over. And the big one at the time was five pounds. Like like you can't do more than five pounds with with rotator cuff exercises, or like the deltoid, the pack, the lat that that'll take that'll take over, and you're just using the wrong muscles. Um, and it's funny, like every now and then, I guess that still happens, right? Because we'll we'll have like a baseball player come in, and you know they're like 6'5", 240 right? And I'm like uh, like all right, let's 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 go through your shoulder program. And they go grab like the two pound weights, and you're like what on earth are you doing? That's like 0.08% your body weight, right? With a, a two pound weight, like that's what we would do with like a rotator cuff repair patient, like right after surgery. Right. And, and it's still amazing to believe that, that some people kind of still think that. So, uh, who wants to talk about this first and kind of start with this concept? But I guess the question is: is is do we do we think that we should limit the amount of load we do with rotator cuff exercises? Maybe we start with that. Maybe I'll kind of start the discussion. Is anybody want to want to talk about working the rotator cuff in that fashion? What do you got, Dave?
1: Um, yeah, I think this is also very
0: very common in the
1: aesthetic sports world, so like gymnastics and ballet and dance and stuff like that. It happens a lot. People, I think the myth that we have is um, they're endurance muscles. So you should only do lightweight for like 15 to 25 reps. And like, that's how the the cuff should work. And I think something I've learned from you and Lenny and some other researchers is like, um, you have to push these cuff muscles, uh, in more of like a hypertrophy type, uh, set and rep range and, and load because they're combating, uh, sport forces, which okay. are very, very, hard, right. So you're going to need to push yourself a little bit harder if you want to try to tolerate some of the demands. And obviously gymnastics is probably the best one. Baseball also, as well is like, when you look at the research on the biomechanical forces on the shoulder, I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but like your is trying to get ripped off your body, right. By how hard you're doing sports. So obviously the natural progression to combat that is doing, strength-based exercises to grow the cuff and grow the, the, the musculature to be tolerating that. So that's usually a big, a light bulb moment for a lot of the patients that I work with is kind of explaining, like you're doing things that are really, really challenging on your shoulder. So it probably makes sense. We need to train them as if we were doing
0: strength exercises. I like that. That makes sense. And and I like that, how you, even though it's maybe a postural or, or maybe an exercise or, um, a muscle group that maybe, you know, prefers endurance. Right. But remember like no muscle is just one thing, right. They all have type one, type two fibers. I think, again, the stronger you can make a muscle, the more, uh, you know, fatigue resistant, they're probably going to be too, to an extent, um, you know, with loads and forces. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a great, uh, perspective, Dave. It's not just that once you go from five to six pounds, the rotator cuff turns off and it goes deltoid, it's also that, you know, maybe, maybe we want to focus on strength and an endurance based muscle too. So I like that. Uh, what do you got, Dan?
2: Oh, Nate, I'm kind of bringing it back to to my world, right? I work with a bunch of meatheads in the gym and there's two studies that kind of pop into mind. I mean, they've looked at how the rotator cuff works during like a bench press type exercise. And in the study it was like a machine chest press and then a a machine row and just looking at what happens to the rotator cuff during those movements. And it makes sense. And kind of the theory is that if you're doing, let's say a bench press, your pecs are active, the delts are active, and they're going to be pulling the anterior delt, pulling the ball anteriorly or forward in the socket, right? And let's say your subscapularis is, lies on the front part of the, of, uh, the shoulder joint. If that fires aggressively too. That's also pulling the, the ball forward in the socket, right? And that's not good because we want to try to pull the ball into the socket. So the research shows your infraspinatus is working like crazy, and it's probably helping to pull the ball posteriorly. So if I'm doing something like a bench press, yeah, if I'm using my pecs more, it has to be countered somehow, right? So in theory, it makes sense. If I'm going to be pressing more weight, I have to use my infraspinatus even more to center the ball into the socket Whereas like, let's say the subscapularis is relatively calm and not doing much because it would be interfering with the motion. And if I do a row, it's kind of the opposite. The subscap is working aggressively to make sure the ball is not being pulled posteriorly in the socket, right? When the the prime movers are are definitely doing
0: a lot of work, but you know, the cuff has to work equally as hard. So yeah, and it makes sense. I mean, the more force and or velocity that you put. So the, the, either the faster you're using your upper half, right. Or the more aggressive with like say a bench press or something like that, then the more the rotator cuff has to contract, has to contract harder. EMG goes up the faster and the, the, the more, um, you know, volume and load you have for an exercise. So it makes sense that those have to contract harder to, to counteract Mm -hmm. that force to keep that humeral head centered. That's, that's, that's amazing. Right. So, uh, that's a good example. The stronger you are, it shows you that the stronger you rotator Cuff probably needs to be to be able to do these big, crazy advanced exercises. It's not just endurance. Right. So that's awesome. So, uh, what do you got Lisa?
3: Um, <clears throat> what's been interesting, um, as I, the more rowers that are kind of starting to trickle into the clinic, um, I've been <laughs> teaching a lot of them that their rotator cuff is an important aspect of their rowing stroke for like the first time, regardless of they're like 15 or 60, um, and what's really cool is using the manuals that we do for cuff strength, um, and teaching them what that is supposed to feel like and like what muscles they're supposed to be using for those movements, their ability to connect to the water and their ability to maintain proper shoulder positioning for a rowing stroke, like changes very quickly because they just like actually feel and understand how to use their cuff and not just their deltoids or just their upper traps. Um, And, you know, and then thinking, you know, in terms of like the amount of load that you allow someone, allow someone to use for cuff work, right? Like when we're doing those manuals, my goodness, I'm not putting like a two pound dumbbells worth of (laughs) like force into this person's arm, right? Like, and as long as they understand what muscles they're supposed to be trying to feel, like there's so much more force they are able to create with those um, than, than like, you know, you would do like a three repound dumbbell wouldn't do anything for that at that <laughs> point. You know, once you understand how to connect to those muscles, but it's also, I mean, <clears throat> it's hard to find them properly if you've had a movement pattern for so many years where you haven't felt your infraspinatus work before. You know, right. you. It, so I think taking that time to make sure that whether it's home dumbbell exercises or hands-on work, like uh, teaching rowers like that proper feeling of what they're supposed to get out of their cuff. Has gone like a really, really long way in a very quick, like, it's a month is like a humongous difference typically, um, which it, is really cool. I um, and like even it- just strength test in the beginning and then strength test in a month later, it's like they gain like eight to 10 pounds. And it's not because they just like, you know, added that much muscle bulk, it's like they actually figured out how to use those muscles.
0: And you could argue too that, like, I don't think they would have had that much progress if you just did like light TheraBand or just two pound weights. Right. So because they've all done
3: that, right. They've all done that, but they've not known what they're supposed to be feeling. And it hasn't been enough force for like the, you know, you don't row for 60 plus minutes on the water and have like two pounds worth of like sideline external rotation dumbbell work is not going to support that.
0: (laughs) Right. You know, it's funny. So I actually did, I actually did an EMG study on this. We never published it. Um, I got so burnt out with EMG studies when we, we were publishing all those like 15 years ago. Um, they're really hard to conduct and really hard to like do well and, and publish. It's just like a big deal. But we actually did a small study. We didn't have like a ton of people, but we had enough people. Like I, I consider the results fine. And we looked at the EMG of the rotator cuff and like the deltoid, for example, as you go up in weight, right? And guess what happened as you went up with weight? your both muscle groups went up linearly, right? Like, of course it does. Right. But at the time we were like trying to combat that concept that all your rotator cuff EMG will go up. But then once you hit five pounds, it stops going up and the deltoid takes over. Like that really makes no sense biomechanically and anatomically, like no muscle works that way. Right. I think Dan just said it a great example. Imagine if that happened and then his guy's trying to bench 300 pounds, right? Like in, in all in his rotator cuff can only handle five pounds of load. Right. <laughs> like then, like that, that's going to be like really challenging for just that person. After a certain weight, that <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, it it, it doesn't make a lot of, a lot of sense for us here. So I like, I like how we hit this. I like how Dave kind of brought up endurance a little bit with this and which is, which is a good approach. I, I like how Lisa brought up a little bit of like how some of the benefits she sees from doing that. Um, I, I, I think it's, it's very clear out there. So I have some unpublished EMG research. If you still don't believe us, just, just, just trust me on that. That shows that they, they both, both the cuff and the, the deltoid go up linearly with the more load that you put. So that is a myth that... The rotator cuff shuts down. Now, don't get me wrong. I think this probably started like in 1985. Like one person was probably like trying to do too much weight, and they were just compensating and slinging that weight around. But that's not the real issue here. That's just poor coaching on on that part, right? You can we can have them do that exercise a little bit better. So. So awesome. Great question, Corey. Hopefully we helped, uh, kind of break through a little bit on that concept there for you and not just give you like a simple answer, like a yes, no, but actually kind of explain a little bit of it. So hopefully that helped Corey. If you have a question like that, head to Mike click on that podcast link and be sure to go to iTunes, Spotify, subscribe, rate and review, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to Mike slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReno.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.